Welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt Sports Podcast, everybody. Um, so today we started off really tearing into the Yankees after a brutal weekend at Fenway. Um, division looks over, wild card still alive, maybe. After that, I had to go into uh, the Urban Meyer conversation and kind of college football, the shadiness of it all together. Uh, had a nice lengthy discussion about that and then covered the bases with our local NFL teams as the first preseason game for the Jets and the Giants is this week. So look forward to talking to you guys next week. Go on, follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports. Also, new article up on um, on our website, um, sorrysports.com, on Saquon Barkley and the future of the Giants. So new articles coming every week, and thanks for listening. All right, we are back. It is the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. Um, only me today. Uh, some some somber news. This is probably going to be the last Sorry to Interrupt. Um, Sean died. Um, guys, I mean, they already did an autopsy. The doctor was pretty quick. Um, you know, determined that it wasn't foul play nor self-harm. Uh, estimated time of death right after Chapman gave up the the game yesterday and the uh the cause of death was that his organs all just stopped working so yeah it's pretty much over for us sean died the yankees the yankees killed him but uh yeah all right we're back for another week what's going on <laughs> yeah that was uh that was not a that was not a good weekend it was bad, bad as bad of a week as you could possibly get <laughs> Yeah, the Yankees do not. Look Are you happy good. to see me though? Like, cause it, that very well could have happened. I sent the you police over to your in. house. Yeah, you were checking I, in with me the entire week. I had a suicide watch out there just <laughs> in case, but thankfully, thankfully you made it through. I guess you got some other things going on in your life that you have to look forward to or something. Maybe, but uh, <laughs> I yeah. Have to keep so, telling myself that. So yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> new Shaquan Barkley article up, so that's something to look that forward to. That was fun to write. Yeah, kind of yeah. took some took some uh, some of the attention away from this disappointing series and. Targeting football. I mean, talking football last week, hearing that music to open up our last pod, that was like, all right, I'm that ready. That was big, but yep. that's not what we're that's not what we're gonna talk about this week. So no. you know, we got we gotta talk about it. I mean, just to start off, I mean, watching the game last night, had to watch it on mute because if I heard A Rod talk about himself for one more fucking second, I was gonna blow my brains all over the wall and be laying right next to your corpse <laughs> because it was <laughs> He's a little much, man. He's a little much. He, Smart he knows analyst, the game and he's so like well, a really charismatic like, guy. They were showing his uh, his fight with Veritech. I know that. Like I, I heard that they were showing. I didn't get a chance to watch it. Yeah, and he but was I heard like happy. Were, he was like, yeah. oh, look at that. It's and like, like dude, pra- he kicked your ass. Apparently, bro. like really praising Veritech the entire time. Like best yeah. catcher in Red Sox history, instrumental in the champ. It's like, all right, well, you, you really trying this hard to cover up or what? Oh my god. Yeah. Well, whatever. I mean. But moving on, I mean, it, it's pretty much come full circle now. The Red Sox fans go from saying Aaron Bleep and Boom to now the fucking Yankees are going Aaron Bleep and Boom. I mean, just watching the press conferences, it's like uh, if I'm not if I'm not looking at the TV, I'm like, am I listening to fucking NPR radio or am I listening to a press conference? There's no fire. Oh, oh, we'll get him tomorrow. I feel a run coming on. Oh, I feel a run coming on. Yeah, what are you going to be saying that in fucking December? When the season's over and you miss the playoffs, you miss the second wild card. I mean, at this point, you can't say that he's managing a good bullpen. What what's he doing well? Well, yeah, I mean, so the thing with Boone, obviously, the Yankees didn't like the way Girardi handled the team, and they didn't think that he. Was, I'd like Girardi. I would take Girardi too. I mean, we were both Girardi guys. So. I'll go run back to him right now. <laughs> well, he's up. Uh, where he's up in New York doing the uh, MLB uh, MLB tonight. I would make a call into him. Sure, no problem. But yeah, I mean, they wanted Boone for apparently his communication skills, his ability to handle the media. I, I mean, I, I handle the media. Yeah, well, that's what they hired him for. Not saying he's holding up that end of the bargain. I mean, Girardi. All accounts were that he was like a clenched fist. Does someone need to go in there and be like, "Hey, you're not on ESPN anymore. You can't just be like." I don't know what the deal is though. I don't. Apparently, that's exactly what they wanted because if they wanted a guy like Girardi, they would have kept Girardi. That Cashman and his guys wanted to wanted to go in a different direction. You want to know who I want to be the Yankees manager? Alex Cora. Yeah, but you know what? I will give. I will say this about Boone from last night. 
you know, you, you made the moves you had to make. I mean, Chapman just blows it. If, if Chapman seals the deal, there that's a win right there. And then, you know, I don't know about you, but taking into Thursday, you know, CeCe couldn't do anything. He's not at a point in his career where he had 78 pitches through three. You're going to run him out there in the fourth and have him go batter to batter. I mean, he was averaging 20, 25 pitches an inning. I mean, Jesus Christ. So you take him out, you bring in Holder, who has been very good this year. We've spoken to that, and he couldn't even get a fucking out. Well, so. well but did you did you watch it? Like, Boone just sat there like like he didn't even know that you were allowed to bring another pitcher out. Like, you just got to know. You got to have a feel for your pen, at this, especially at this point in the season. Like, he didn't have it. Pull him. Like, I think the get problem. Him out of I think the problem you there got the was best bullpen in baseball, the was, best bullpen ever, by all was, accounts. You said it in your article. So get another fucking paper, guy out yeah. there. I yeah, I mean, he wanted, uh, he was doing everything he could to avoid pitching Sessa because Sessa was the long man since since Lance Lynn had to come up and save another. I'm not even going to mention the guy's name who started on Wednesday. <laughs> um, and uh, and then Hap He's wasn't like gonna, an after story Hap, at this point. Hap wasn't able to go on Saturday, so they were trying to preserve Sessa for that start. So they were trying not to use him. Listen, rookie managers are going to make mistakes. I, I didn't like the way he handled it either. I think the lineups more so than anything. And what I really want to get into before we start dissecting this series, Wednesday, to me, was the straw that broke the camel's back. I mean, in a couple of ways, right? So... You take Tuesday night from the hapless Orioles. They sold everybody off the deadline. They traded Scope. They traded Gossman. They had no bullpen. They had no starting pitching. So you win pretty easily Tuesday night, take care of business. Wednesday's a day game. The pitcher who will not be mentioned had a couple decent starts in a row. Oh, good lord! Against uh, and a couple against Baltimore too. Speaking of Sonny Gray, like there's <laughs> there you is. can't you can't be happier. There can't be a happier guy right now than him because this. This sweep took all the heat off of him. Nobody's talking about him. Well, anymore. it did in the short term, but he. Where I'm trying to go with this is he's really. I, you could make a strong point is he's part of the reason why this weekend went as bad as it did and why the bullpen was in the position that it was in. So, you know, you you're playing the Orioles. The Orioles are running out a Triple A lineup. I didn't heard about more than half of those players in there. I'm I'm leaving work, going to my next job, and I see within ten minutes it's five nothing. I'm like, are you? F- fucking kidding me and i look at the lineup and shane robinson's playing and i don't know where shane robinson has even come from i know he was with a couple organizations and like depth piece in scranton but like why is he i i, I why is he in the fucking lineup he's not he a major player something on Aaron Boone, I, 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 but, I don't know. I, but that's the thing is like i where is he coming from where is he getting these is john carl stanton not capable of playing three straight days in right field even though he played 159 there last year like I, we used I don't to get complain it. about girardi with the rest this is a lot worse so so here's here's where i'm getting at with that game there was no sense of urgency and you could see it on the field glaber torres not covering second base on a couple of plays sunny gray looking like he's sleepwalking through the game you know you can't just go out and assume that you're going to beat a team that has the worst record in baseball they are major leaguers they're playing for something. You know, Showalter is not going to take any shit. So he's going to have those guys ready to play. Whether they're talented enough to win is another thing. But they were ready to play. The Yankees clearly weren't. And what I took from this entire series in Boston is, did they get their asses handed to them? Yeah. there was. They were outplayed and outmanaged in every phase of the game. But that is that why they're nine and a half out is because Boston dismantles the bad teams and for a month now, the Yankees, a little over a month, have played very average against teams like the Orioles and the Rays and the Royals. And that's you, unacceptable. Would you call their recent couple weeks gutless? I would. Gutless, absolutely. <laughs> because, you know what? Yeah, you miss Judge, for sure. He's the best player on the team. And you miss Sanchez, even, because even though Sanchez has been hitting 180 this his year, presence. his presence in the lineup, and he has good power numbers, and in, in, despite limited production, he has 12 home runs. Some of them have been late in games, and he's got over 40 RBIs. So, And that's a guy who, like you said, his presence in the lineup carries some clout. That also pushes guys like Andujar and Torres back down to like the 8 and 9. Romine might, have been, might be a little more proficient of a hitter this year, but Austin Romine doesn't put any kind of fear into the opposing pitcher. So... You miss those guys for sure, but this lineup is more than capable of scoring runs. 
And it seems like when it rains, it pours. And and this series was a microcosm, really, of what has been going on the last month or so. It's The starting pitching hasn't been as dominant as it has been. Severino has been very hittable. Um, CC hasn't been going deeper into games. It looks Three like he's innings, running it out broke of it. My heart. Yeah, even Tanaka last night. You know, four and two thirds and hundred pitches. hundred pitches. And, and credit to Boston lineup for you know really making him work. But still, I mean, that's not acceptable. You're not going to win games that way. And and Chapman, who looked untouchable in the first you know half of the season, has really starting with that terrible performance against the Mets, has struggled in his last few appearances. Guys haven't looked as sharp. Robertson gave up a big home run in that day game to Kansas City last week, and then when they and when they don't when they get good pitching and their bullpen comes in and does gets the job done, it seems like they can't buy any hits. I mean, they've lost five of six to Tampa in the last month and a half. They've split with Baltimore in the last month and a half. I mean, those are unacceptable. Boston doesn't do that, and to me, you know, this kind of whole rant here is more just speaking about. They're nine and a half back, not because of this weekend. They're nine and a half back because they can't handle business against the bad teams that Boston wipes the floor with. And instead of going into this series two and a half back or three and a half back, you went in five, five and, and a half, half back. back. Yep. No, I, I agree with you. And, you know, it's it's crazy because, you know, we said this last podcast, the fact that they have so many outfield woes just because it, it's really hard. You know, when you lose a guy like Judge, your best player, of course, that has something to do with it, especially because... I mean, I don't even need to say the name, Jacoby Ellsbury. He's, like, been hurt all year. But then you have Frazier as well, so... And I feel bad maybe. for Frazier that, you know, he, he's lost so many opportunities in the last few years with injuries to Hicks and now with Judge to really take control of that. Yeah, and of, of course that. he's got this post-concussion syndrome or whatever he's got going on. I hope he gets better just for his own health. But it's really tough because, you know, I think he definitely could have made an impact. But nonetheless, Judge and Clint Frazier and even Jacoby Ellsbury being out... It's a lot more than that. This team has been just terrible. Terrible. They can't hit with runners in scoring position to save their lives. And even in some of the low-scoring games this weekend, you know, they, they had several opportunities with runners on base um, that they didn't capitalize on. And that kind of has been the trend going. You know, they, they've won some games um, kind of at despite that. But, no, it's been a really bad stretch of baseball. Um I, I, I don't see the fight. I, I, I definitely see some of the young players um, kind of taking it for granted, whether they're running into a wall or not, or or whether, you know, they're kind of, they came up. Like guys like, you know, Torres, you know, you come up, all you know is winning. He was an integral part of that crazy streak that they went on in May. And, you know, he's kind of been the culprit for some lackadaisical play. And that, been dragging that's, a little bit. that's the concerning part because – I can deal with the physical errors sometimes from young kids. I, I can deal with, you know, maybe they run into a slump. They're playing more baseball than they have, uh, you know, before at a higher intensity level for sure. But, you know, not covering the bag, not knowing where to throw the ball. It, th- those are er- That's a reflection on where you were saying, your manager. And it was nice to see Phil Nevin in that Oriole game lose it in the dugout on his team because – I, the Boone is not that guy, and I think it would rub the players the wrong way if he were to be that way because that's not what he was hired for. That's not his personality. Don't try to be – seeing McAdoo with the Giants, don't try to be somebody you're not. And I agree with you, but I think that's some, the problem. But uh, when that's you're a, on this kind of a slide, something's got to give, you know, like – I mean, I don't expect him to go out there and, you know, be resurrected version of Billy Martin or, or anything crazy like that or even Girardi where you're a little bit stern. But, I mean – you watch the press conference, and it's like they're talking about how Cora got thrown out of the uh, Porcello game for arguing balls and strikes. And he's like, yeah, I kind of agree with Alex Cora. You know, the the umpires were really squeezing everybody out there. And it's like, well, you were managing the game too. You weren't in the booth. Go say something. Right. Yeah, I mean. I mean, you're the team. Your team's fucking getting one hit, losing. And he's the one getting thrown out of the game. I agree with you. Uh, the, the tough thing for me to – to really analyze managers in this era of baseball is, is a couple reasons. One, we said, obviously we, we weren't live then, but we were discussing amongst ourselves the, the hire and this is on Cashman. This move is on Cashman, you know, as great as Cashman is. And, and obviously, you know, the, the jury's totally out on what Boone's going to do, but there's, this was, 
you you let a guy go who brought you to game seven of the LCS last year with basically the same team and he's already won a world series you know so if you want to bring in your own guy then you're it's going to be on you because there certainly was no performance reason to get rid of Girardi I mean it, it, he he had over man it, it over uh succeeded in, with that team last with year. With that team. Not yeah. just last year, but look at all those terrible teams like trying to manage well manage those farewell tours of Moe and Jeter and Pettit even. And then, you know, guys constantly going down, going through that transformation process of all the old guys who are no longer productive to bringing in kind of the new guys. And I I, I think he I, I think he overachieved with a lot of those teams. I mean, the fact that they were competitive in, in um in September, you know, when, when I did that trade deadline story, I was looking and I was like, Oh my God, I cannot believe the roster that they were running out there. And and he got a lot out of them. So I, I don't know why they let him go. It's a story for another day. Boone is the manager because of Cashman and you're going to have to live with the demeanor. Second, I'd like to get your take on it. We know what baseball managers, major league baseball managers are now, you know, it's heavy on the analytics. So what I want to know is these rest decisions, these lineups that are being made. Does he have the flexibility to make these or he, or is he being told and dictated by Cashman and his group of head analysts that spend 16 hours a day on these decisions being like, Hey, we recommend you do this. We recommend you do because I agree with you, but let me tell you that I'll put that I'll put put the fucking analytics thing to bed right now. Go. Give me one analytic that says Shane fucking Robinson should be playing right field and starting. Give me one. No, I agree. Yeah. So that's that's right. the end of the story right there. He's clearly got a little bit of say. I don't know if he's if he's you know ha- like got some pictures on him somewhere. You know some some nudes that Boone has out there. I don't know. He's got clearly got some blackmail against him because he should not be playing every day. And they're meaningful right games. Field. And that's that's an automatic. Every game's out. a meaningful game but when that's, you're exactly. not thirty games ahead in the in the standings. But that's the thing. It's the sense of urgency. So I want to know whether it's Boone who's being more conservative, or whether it's the hierarchy of of the Yankees brass that are saying that are giving him this information and saying, "Listen, we recommend that you rest this guy." Like I saw a report yesterday. He wants to rest Didi. Dude, they had the day. They were rained out last two Fridays ago against Kansas City. They played the doubleheader. They played and they Sunday, and then they had off Monday. I'm, uh, this guy's in the prime of his fucking career. Giancarlo Stanton was the NL MVP playing right field every day last year. There was no DH in, in Miami. Why is he not playing? I don't understand. These games have a lot of import, and not just the Yankee Red Sox games. I know you guys. Every I know game. they got to be ready for the for the, the for the playoffs and even the playoff run. But there's not going to be much of a playoff run if no. they continue this slide. No. I mean, I'm at the point now where I'm scared that they're they're. I mean, the division's wrapped up. See you oh, later. easily. Yeah. And, and I'm worried that they're going to end up being either the second wild card team, not even getting a home game, or they're not even going to be a wild. Let's card put team. it this way, okay. Like you said, put any put any concept or hope of the division away. All year, people have been saying, oh, Boston can't keep this clip up. Well, you know what? We're into August now, and they have. And don't act like they haven't had their struggles, too. Now, sales, sales on the on DL. The DL yep. Price has been on and off the DL. Devers. Devers has been on and off the DL. Pedroia hasn't played at all this year, so they've been trying to piecemeal second Kinsler base together. Kinsler just went on the DL, who was the guy they just picked J- up. They just got. So they've had their adversity, They don't even too. have a catcher. They might as well just throw to a chair right. behind <laughs> the fucking plate. Basically. So they they've had their they've had their struggles too, but they they've persevered. Obviously, they're getting they have three MVP candidates on their fucking team, but they dispatch of the bad teams and they play every game. Like I've watched a couple of their nationally televised games against other teams, hoping to see them lose. They play every game hard. They don't take any innings off. They don't play any games off. If they lose, maybe they had an off night. They were outpitched. Whatever. I mean, they're in every game, I, that, and, and the Yankees lately have been laying down and dying. That starts with Cole, with Alex Cora and Aaron Boone, though. Like uh, analytics or not, like Cora is a, not like when he needs to be fiery, he's a fiery guy, and he gets his team playing hard behind him. That starts with Betts, and that starts with Cora. Betts goes out there and gives you know plays hard every single day, and Cora goes out there and he's getting in arguments with a fucking umpire when his pitcher's throwing a no a one hitter. I think it's weird, right? Because I don't know what the conversations that happened with the, between Cashman and the players when he had met with them, saying that 
Girardi was not going to be retained. I know that the Red Sox, the the real core and essence of the Red Sox, the Bogarts, the Betts, the Benintendis, you know, those guys, the sales prices, they didn't like John Farrell. They didn't like how he managed. They didn't think that they that he had their back. And uh, they were going to move in a different direction. I think Cora was the perfect fit because he was able to have a long major league career because of how tough he was and savvy he was and how smart he was on the diamond. And he didn't take anybody's shit. And he was on that 08 team or the 07 team that won. Yep. Um, you know, Boone, not that he wasn't a tough player. I mean, he has one of the most iconic moments in Yankee history, but, you know, uh, he's not that kind of personality. So it, my thing is, is I can't get mad at him for not being that way if that's not who he is. So if Cashman's going to let Girardi go and bring in a guy who's a completely different style of manager who is much more laid back, hey, we'll go get him the next game. We're going to do this. I don't know what he does behind closed doors. He might, he might do it. It seems like Phil Nevin from the periphery looks like he's more of the guy that can lay into somebody and Boone's more like the talking to coddle. Hey, I got you. I don't know what it is, but all I know is that he's not being somebody he's not. That's who he is. And that's what Cashman wanted. So he's going to have to live and die by this decision and, and whatever Boone's doing and whatever we may or may not like about him. Listen, if, if he had come in for a manager who was constantly and you know, annually finishing 15 games under 500 and underperforming with a good team or what should have been a good team, then fine. You know what? Then you can lay into him because it's like, okay, well, you know, this guy should be, this guy should be better than that. You let a guy go who already won you a world series and got within a game of reaching another on a team that was not expected to do anything. So you're, you made this decision. Everybody asked what it would be like. Well, now we're kind of figuring out this is who he is. I can't get on him for being that's how he is. That's what Cashman wanted. Okay, well, you know what? Succeed. Do something. Because I didn't even want to give him that much credit when they were winning. I, I it, To me, I don't think that Major League Baseball managers, aside from kind of that like psychological edge, have a whole lot to do. I gave do. him credit because he kind of developed at the time, not anymore, but a really good feel for the bullpen. He kind of found Holder out of nowhere, which we said multiple times Girardi would have never done because he had his guy. Gave Batances a second chance. Exactly. Kind of got Batances, who's still pitching well, back back to his form. But now it's at the point where it doesn't even seem like he has a feel at all, and he's just like, well, we'll get him tomorrow. There's not going to be a tomorrow. And what's going to happen is, and I'm telling you this right now, even if they squeak into that wild card, I don't know how ready this team is going to be for the playoffs. And everybody's talking about, oh, let's stick with the homegrown guys. If they don't do well this year, Bryce Harper is going to be on this fucking team next year. I, I think you've already seen in this series why they've been wary of Andujar defensively. Because he's made some horrible plays, particularly last night I was watching the highlights of that errant throw that would have been the third out of the game that they would have won, or the third out of the inning, rather, and the final out of the game, and he you know, short-hopped it to first. Should Bird have scooped it? Probably, but that's a bad throw, and, and you got to make that play. It, he's young. This is his rookie year. He wasn't even expected to play this year. Do you hold on to him and say, ah, chalk it up to a rookie mistake, or are these legitimate concerns? I'm more concerned with Greg Bird, because first of all, Greg Bird should have made that play, and at least Anhar's hitting. Greg Bird's not doing shit. And that's why I'm thinking, you know, you, they're probably going to go out and get a guy like Bryce Harper next year to either have Giancarlo Stanton play first or Bryce Harper because I've seen I've seen enough. Yeah, I mean, so talking each other off the ledge here, we both here, this next month and stretch. Is I'm going, saying I've seen enough of Greg Bird. I understand. I understand. And every time it looks like he's turning the corner, he hasn't. It might just be one of those years. It seems like that's the way Sanchez has been this year where he'll head, he'll get a huge hit. It looks like he's coming around and, and then he can't. And obviously the DL stints aside, but it's never seemed like he's been able to establish a consistent rhythm at the plate. Stanton has been very good. Stanton's the only offense that he's they actually well. had. Two, 280, yeah, you know, 26, 26 home, home runs. runs. Yeah. Yep. So let's look at the next stretch of games that they're coming up or series rather. Okay. They're starting three tonight in Chicago against the White Sox. Awful team. I don't care what anybody says, sweep. I'm done with the two of threes. They come home, play Texas for four. Texas doesn't have Hamels anymore. They gutted that team. That's not a good team. Take three of four. Four game sets are tough. Take three of four. Mets come in for one. Take that game. All right? Then Tampa comes in for two. You get them on their home turf. They don't even have a starting pitcher now that they traded Archer and Evaldi. Take both of those games. You're not playing in the trap, so I don't want to hear about that. All right. 
these are games that you then you play Baltimore for four in Camden. Take all four. Those yeah. Three. So they have to go on one of those seventeen out of eighteen runs. And you know what? If Boston continues to keep this up, then tip your cap to them. But I if I swear if they're if they finish this stretch, you know, around five hundred. If they finish this, you know, fifteen and fifteen and eleven, or even you know sixteen and ten. No, that's not going to get the job done because Boston against that stretch would obliterate they any all of their competition. Yeah, I mean to It'd be, be realistic, I I know we're losing our mind. They're going to get one of the two wild card spots. I think Judge is going to come off the DL and Sanchez is going to come off the DL and they're going to hit really well. They're going to get one of the two wild card spots, but this is not a World Series team. As much like you have to come to grips with it. This team is not as good you know, as we thought it was going to be. And this team was supposed to be a World Series team at the beginning of the year. Yes, absolutely. Everyone picked them to win the division. Yeah, we sure as shit did. I mean, now yep. now I saw an interesting stat. This was prior to Saturday's game. So they referenced that there was a point from late June into early August last year that the Yankees were 18 and 19. In basically the same stretch, the Yankees this year were 18 and 19, so now 18 and 21. So there was a time last year, I remember, even after they got Robertson and Canely and, and, and Frazier, where they were not hitting, they were not winning. Gray didn't look like he was doing a whole lot, and it was like, fuck, you know, like, we can kiss this year goodbye. Who knows if we'll even be a wild card. Then somehow they, you know, they really turned it on, made a threat to the division, got the wild card, locked it up, but they got lucky to play their perennial punching bag of the twins. This year, they're going to get either the A's who, even though they don't, you know, jump out on paper at you, they have been the hottest team with the exception of Boston in baseball. And then you've got Seattle who might throw a Paxson. So uh, the A's making a wild card run is like a four year anniversary thing. They do it every four years and they're a damn good team. They are every four years, and in, they came out of nowhere. They're playing, you know, they're no expectations on them, so this is fun for them, and they're just playing, you know, with their hair on fire, just just going. So what Seattle's I, on a bad slide, but I mean, they really don't have. But they've much got a guy like else. Paxson, yeah. man, who in a one game playoff could shut you down. Yeah, and the thing is, like for the rest of the season, and a they, good back end of the pen. I mean, aside from the Yankees in Oakland, there's really not much else to compete with for a wild card. You know, a second or a first wild card. So, you know. One of one of those three teams is 100% going to make it, and then the other two are going to be battling it out. Now is the time. Now is the time to, okay, you put it behind you. Let's see the fight in this team. This is a team that maybe against a team like Boston, when they're at full strength, are they at the same clip without Judge and, and Sanchez? No. But against the White Sox, against the Royals, against the Rangers, against the Orioles, against the Mets, against the Rays, they are plenty fine enough to win these games. So do it. Go out there, sweep the White Sox. Go out there, take care of business against the Rangers. You're back at home. It, that That's what you have to do. You got to turn the page and go and got, go on a really nice run because before you know it, this stretch that was supposed to be a, a cushion for you to really pad your pad your your win total is slowly but surely sliding away. So take care of business. Talk back. I mean, last week at this time, everything felt good. Like, yeah, they wa- they lost that one game to Kansas City, but Hat made his start. Hand, foot, and mouth disease. I guess that's what we get for shit talking the Mets as much as we did. Him and Syndergaard must have been hanging out. Yeah, apparently so. Um, so he misses the start. I, I wasn't that excited about Chance Adams because his minor league stats hadn't allowed you to be that excited about him. Um, I guess he held his own, if you want to say, three runs and five. But, you know, this was a series that was – at least for me, I was kind of numb to it. After Thursday, you know, you, you take this you take this 4 nothing lead against a pitcher. You caught a break with Sale not on the mound. You think you're going to run this. CeCe's, you know, battling. He only gets you three, but it's he only gives up one run. And then, you know, I just I, think, I remember texting you. I just said avalanche. It was like it, it, there was nothing that was going to stop what the Red Sox were doing. And then Friday, they hit they hit score off three off of uh, Sevy and – Game's over already with the way Porcello was throwing. Evaldi completely shut the Yanks down. You know he loved every second of that. And then Price, you know, I know he was in line for the loss, but that was a hard luck loss. He he pitched pretty well last night. Yeah. And you I don't mean, like to give him any kind he of He didn't comfort. lose. He got a no decision, but I right. mean, still. I, well, he would have been, yeah. If, don't if mean it, to say I told you so, but I was right about Evaldi. Um, no, I agreed with you. I, I had a feeling. Uh, yeah, I mean... I'm looking at the lineup right now. Luckily, um, I thought, you, you know, you might freak out. I was hoping Shane Robinson was in right field again, but 
thankfully it is Stanton and Neil Walker playing third looks like man um Andahar's DH and get a little bit of a mental break from third base he could definitely use I don't know it. where Walker was this weekend I understand that they like his numbers better from the left side but at least he's a professional Shane Robinson should not be on a major league roster particularly in a pennant race I completely agree with you um yeah I mean you pretty much laid it all out there the Yankees pretty much got to play like 900 baseball you know, with this stretch coming up, through they do the Tampa Bay Rays. Yep, and that end. might sound unreasonable, but you know what? Based off of the quality of play that, or lack thereof, that they've had over the last month against those kind of opponents, now you've put yourself in a position where don't even think about the division. Whatever happens, happens. But win these games ahead of you against vastly inferior competition. Um, I was very happy to see that Gray was moved to the pen. I don't know. We would be talking about Gray for like 25 minutes. So had this let's get into it for happen. a second because I'm not going to say I'm proud of them because they sh- this was a long time coming, obviously. And what I took away, I heard an interview with Cashman on the K show. They, they, they had him on on Thursday prior to the start of the Red Sox series. And he sounded, he was very candid and he sounded very doubtful that Gray is going to turn it around. He, he, he definitely said it could be New York. He said, you know, he's not been the guy we thought we were going to get. It, it seemed our sample size is definitely large enough to to kind of see that what we thought we were going to get is not going to happen. He also did say that he's not going to get DFA, which we tweeted out things should happen. So I know that's the reason. I think they invested a lot. So, so that's the reactionary fan thing. And sometimes I need to even hold myself back because every once in a while I find a player on the roster that I can't stand. Last year was Chris Carter. I, why he continued to play, I for the life of me, couldn't understand. And that was sometimes Cashman is very stubborn because he likes to know how smart he is. And he likes to say that he – gave guys enough time and patience to to figure it out. But this guy's single-handedly costing you a chance to win a division because it's a loss every time. You know, this was the sixth start this year that he didn't get out of the fourth inning and allowed more than five runs. The sixth start this year. People don't have that in careers. Not to mention that he single-handedly ruined the Red Sox series. Not saying that it was just the starting pitching's fault. It was an entire team thing, but he really screwed up the pen. So baseball is more so than any sport. Every game is interconnected to the next. So let's say Gray, let's say the Yankees still lose, but Gray gives you five and two-thirds or, you know, gets you into the sixth. Shit, maybe I'll I'll, I'll cut him even into the fifth. All right? <laughs> you don't have to use Lance Lynn for four and a third innings, okay? So there's your Saturday starter gone, knowing that Hap might not start. So now you have to have Sessa pitch on Saturday. And the Yankees had to have him on the roster because they didn't have a long man for Thursday, hoping to God that they didn't have to use him, which is why the Yankees went with Holder. Holder wouldn't have come in that early in the fourth inning of a game if even if it's a three-run lead if they know that they have another long man for the next day. Because Cole also pitched on Wednesday, two innings. So now you have to, you did everything you could to avoid him. Unfortunately, you had to pitch him. And he pitched three innings and kind of just took it. You know, he gave up his four runs and you just have to sit there and continue to pitch because they don't have anybody else to go to. Well, now they have to call up a guy who they've, they've, pure, they've truly shown that they didn't want to call up. How many opportunities in the last two years have they had to call Chance Adams up? A lot to start. They had Loisaga come up from single A to pitch for him. They had Herman get a lot of opportunities. They've had Sessa make every spot start when he's been healthy. They don't want to pitch him. He was their last resort to come up on Saturday. And that is all connected to the Sonny Gray two and two thirds perf- gutless performance on Wednesday. <laughs> gutless. And that's. There it is. That, there it is. You can't, you can't say anything worse. And, and when I say DFA. The reason being, obviously, it's reactionary, and I don't want to see his face on another major league mound for my team. But good lord. <laughs> so, but let's think about it, right? He's not a reliever. His stuff doesn't play in the pen. He's not a guy whose his velocity is going to go up to ninety nine and start really throwing heat. He's a pitcher, not a very good one right now, but he's a pitcher. So, what is he going to do? Work on stuff in the in the bullpen and and just come in to you know, mop up games where you're winning by eight or losing by eight and, and work on things. I mean, he's one step away. And the, the, what I kind of look at is 
okay, I get it. You gave up a lot for him. And Fowler's playing well for Oakland. Mateo is nowhere close, and Caprillion hasn't thrown a pitch in the A system. Fine. You know, Matt Harvey for the Mets was their franchise for years. He was kind of the first to, to push them over the edge and bring them actually back to, oh my God, there's a Met game on and Harvey's pitching. And and obviously that, that World Series game where he went out for the ninth. And if the Mets, who are as cheap as can be and will give every excuse to pitch a guy or play a guy, if they could finally realize, hey, you know what? <laughs> This just isn't going to happen. And we, you know what? If he goes to Cincinnati and pitches well, God bless him. But he's not going to do it here. That's kind of where I'm at with Gray. Oh, it's God. A, giving the Mets a little credit there. Yeah. Jesus. I mean, it's apparent that they that he's not going to get it done here. It, every other start is good and good by you know his standards. Not like a great performance by any stretch. Two runs in five is, you know. It's, it's not great, but it's great for him considering he doesn't even get usually into the fourth. So. Well, we're sitting here talking about it like he threw a Rick Porcello one-hitter. Right. So uh, 86 pitches. Right. So um, I'm glad they made the move to at least demote him from the rotation. You can't continue to take a, a loss. But once again, for me, it was like, the fuck took you so long? You had other internal options, and I know, but uh, you're stubborn, but you th- that stubbornness can sometimes cost you. And He's he's been the reason why they've slid a lot. I and mean, that's a loss every fifth day and and you know that not only is it a loss but you're taxing your bullpen at the same expense. So maybe the next night you're not going to have the luxury to go to a guy like AJ Cole for two or three innings because now you have to use your big guys in a in a game that might not call for them. Yeah, I mean it's, it's a lot to say but I mean seriously like am I wrong like I watching that game of course I not. seeing him of course smile not. walking off the mound and I was just like I I don't care what explanation he has if that's the way he handles things whatever but it, I don't know if I was more mad at him or more mad at the fact that they just continue to run him out there because the definition of the insanity case. is just you know doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result and that's what I feel like watching Sonny Gray take the mound every five days. Well, yeah, and just to put a bow on it, I mean, you texted me after that Baltimore game and said this looks a lot worse than when the Mets lost to the Nationals or you know twenty-five to four or whatever. It, the, it whatever was the to score me. It was. was. And I, I get that feeling, too, because it's like, yeah, well, you had one bad game as the Mets, who are kind of the laughing stock. But, I mean, the, the, the that Yankees game was worse and a lot more impactful for a team that's dead in the playoff race. The Mets are a triple-A team, if that, who have nothing to play for. So, that you know, if they get ram, you know, rammed over by the, by the Nationals, who everybody thought was going to win that division, then fine. The, the Orioles not only are trying to lose, they're doing it in such a way where they fielded a lineup that day where you didn't recognize almost anybody and they didn't have a rotation. They, they were pitching Alex Cabo at a six and a half ERA going into the game. I mean, it, those are games that you can't lose. And I think that even though it was seven to five as the final, it was never that close. And it was, it was depressing. And once again, the culprit, you cannot, no matter who you're playing, you can't do two things in sports. You can't take your opponent lightly because they're trying. You know, the team overall, the organization might be tanking, but the players on the field, court, whatever, are not. And then the other thing, too, is you cannot ever assume that you're just going to win because of your record. you got to go out there and play. And, you know, tying it all together, apparently that's what Cora can do in Boston, and that's something that Boone has struggled predominantly lately with, with, with the Yankees. So... Yeah, I'm not happy on with to Boone, Chicago. But let's, let's let's get let's get shit done, man. When we talk next week, we got to be in a better better mindset because now with only two and a half ahead of Oakland, the the playoffs are far from a sure thing. Absolutely, it's a, it's a scary thing to talk about. Um, so let, let's go around the league. Some some things to wrap up at the end of the trade deadline. So we knew we knew this already. Hamels went to the Cubs. Um, I mean, I think he's going to help him out a lot. He pitches well in Chicago, so. Um, and then you got Archer going to the Pirates, which was a blockbuster deal that um, I think you might have called that one. I, I don't remember. I don't know if I Just called it. Your I, own horn I, I, I remember them mentioning it seemed like the Padres wanted to make the big splash, but I think the Pirates really, you know, they went on a really sick run for a bit, and that, that wild card situation in the National League is wide open. And I think they wanted to make a move to show some of their veterans and guys that, hey, like, yeah, we traded McCutcheon and we traded Cole, but we're not by any means 
you know, tanking and getting and really trying to lose. So you get a, you get a guy who I think has underperformed the last few years. He's got a lot of miles on the arm, but he's going into a better win potential winning situation. And there's something about that pitching coach in Pittsburgh that makes guys, you know, really, really good. I mean, look, look, look what they did with Burnett. He looked broken in New Burnett, York. Charlie yeah. Morton. Yes. Charlie Morton for sure. So it's like the guy in Houston and the guy in, in, uh, Pittsburgh seemed to always find those guys, and he's he's he, like Chip English in, in uh, San Antonio, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fixing everybody's jump shot. But uh, the other trade that happened after we after we came off the air was uh, Dozier to the Dodgers. I mean, if it wasn't apparent before this trade, they're clearly going for it. Dozier is um, de- gives them a lot more versatility because they can move their everyday second baseman Taylor to anywhere. You know that guy can play all over the field, and he's a starter. He's playing center. He's playing left, right, third whatever need be, um, and then it also gives you a defensive upgrade because the guy's a gold glover, not to mention the fact that, what, he hit like 45 bombs last year or something like that? He hit a lot. And then he yeah. hit a lot the year before, so clearly he's a he's a potent guy at the plate as well. So Yeah, he's he's been somebody that has been linked to the Dodgers the that, for a few years. The thing that worries me about them is their pitching rotation. It's just those guys are they're made of glass out there. Everybody's getting hurt. Kershaw, who's been the best pitcher in baseball for, you know, a few years back now. But the guy gets hurt, and, and that's all the way down the line. Then you got Rich Hill, who that guy gets a blister even looking at somebody else's. And, and Maeda and everybody on that on that pitching staff just gets hurt. Puig's going back to the DL as well, looks like. Um, I, I just, you know, I worry about that pitching staff. So the starting pitching obviously is an issue in L.A., and that's very apparent. And I think what they're trying to do is they're going to try to slug their way to, to victories. I, and that I know doesn't it doesn't work, work but I, so, so the starting pitching market wasn't there for them to make a big splash. I think they looked at the guys on the market. I, they did not want to trade the prospects. They don't have a lot of great prospects left, so they, did, they weren't going to be in the Archer sweepstakes. They weren't you know more than just doing their due diligence kind of i put them in the yanks in the same in the same breath there when they were mentioned they could have used the guy that the who went out and got tyson ross yeah st louis st louis went out and got him i mean they could have used somebody like that to show up the back end yeah i think they they see him you know they face him a lot in san diego and i think they probably look at something and say listen if healthy are is, is he better than the guys that were running out there probably not I know Urias is coming back from uh, his Tommy John. I know he's going to be able to pitch, I think, in, in mid to late August or September. I know he started throwing. Um, you know, Walker Bueller has had some success. He's got good stuff. You gotta, I mean, obviously, you got to keep Kershaw. He's your number one. Maeda, you know, you hope Hill can give you some innings. Um, they just put Alex Wood on the DL, who had been pitching pretty well for them the last few years. He was an all-star last year. So, I don't know. I think they probably looked at the starting pitching and was and they, and there's still time. I mean, remember Houston got Verlander on August 31st last year. So I mean, they anything can happen. They there might be a name that comes about that won't cost them a whole lot, and they can take a flyer on it depending on what happens in the next few weeks. But they had an opportunity to upgrade their middle infield in ways that no really no team could in the at this point in the season. So I think they're going to look at it and say if, if Machado gets hot and Dozier can play like Dozier. <laughs> With the rest of that lineup, Kemp playing the way he does, uh, obviously you've got um, you got Bellinger at first, and, and uh, Max Muncy has been a all-star at the catcher position. They can hit, they can mash, and they're deep. So I think they looked at it and said, you know what? Fuck it, let's just go. Let's score as many runs as we can and hope that the pitching we have in place comes up. Yeah, um, why, don't, why don't we go around the league a little bit? I agree with everything you said about the Dodgers. I mean, I just I worry about the starting pitching. It's what it comes down to in the playoffs. It's a valid concern, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the Red Sox, I mean, we talked about them enough. Indians are leading their division. That's They could sleep their way to – we've been saying that for a while. They could sleep their way to the AL Central win. That's not even close. Um, Twins, probably the biggest disappointment in baseball with the Nationals. Um, next, you got the West. The uh, Astros are winning by four games right now. And they've got some big injuries. Uh, McCullers just went on the DL, and so did Springer. McCullers might, you know, he was flexing his arm. That's how it always starts with the Tommy John surgery, you know, just one pitch. The amount pitch. of curveballs he throws, too. Is... Yeah, the dude, he's got like a 96-mile-an-hour fastball, too. So, But 
regardless, yeah, you got Altuve on the DL, I believe. Correa's been on the been on the DL for a while. Springer just hurt his thumb. Um, they're missing a lot of guys. So, you know, there there's some injuries there. You could see the A's get hot and and overtake that. Uh, probably not, but uh, hey, the way that they they're 36 and 10 in their last 46 games. So. Most most interesting division in baseball by far is the National League East. Yes. Um, you know, the Phillies are Phillies are leading it right now. Big probably them and the Braves are the biggest surprise in baseball. Props to Gabe Kapler. Yeah, no, doing a great job managing. They went out and got Asdrubal Cabrera as well as a few other little pieces. Mikel Franco seems to have rounded back into form. Um, they've got a really good young team, and they're led by Arietta um, pitching. Um, I, yeah, they, and Aaron Nola's been course, fantastic. Yeah, he was an yeah. all-star this year. Um, I was, I was Tyler Eifen's been good, too. Yeah, yeah, no, they, they, they're a huge surprise, and that's going to be a really fun division to watch down the stretch because – I mean, I've been saying it all year. At some point, the Nationals have got to wake up. Maybe the 25-4 to four win will really kick their ass, but, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe it'll get them into gear. The Central, I mean, that's another big-time race. Cubs are only one game up on the Brewers. That's a that's a big-time back-and-forth, and the Brewers just did a big thing in uh, L.A. They took 3-4 of four from what I recall. So that's that's awesome. I mean, that's another really good-looking division. And then, obviously, the NL West, the Dodgers, and the Diamondbacks are tied right now. So I guess the NL all together now yeah, that I look NL at it is, is really wide interesting. open. And if you look at the wild card, Pittsburgh's in the picture. Even St. Louis, no matter you know all the struggles they've had, are, are not far away if they can get on a little bit of a run. Matt Carpenter is, is doing everything he can for them. Um, you've got those three National League East teams. you got to believe one of them is going to be a wild card, if not two. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, with how good the the Cubs and Brewers are, I mean, they're lockstep. I mean, the Brewers made some. They got Jonathan Scope at the deadline. Um, they made some. They made some really good moves. I know they were right in on Archer till the end. So I mean, I don't think the Brewers really had a choice after the off season that they had as well. I mean, going out and getting Lorenzo Cain, Christian Yelich, like they kind of had to go for it, being that the position they were in as well. So yeah, it's a really interesting time in the NL right now. There's a huge race. I think the Nationals are are gonna round into form I may be saying that until they get eliminated and you know I've been I've been slamming the table even at the beginning when we did our predictions for the Cubs I think they're going to get really hot I mean they're winning right now the division I think they're I think they're going to get hot I I mean I still think that they're going to make a run yeah wide open anybody I know right now it looks like the Red Sox aside from maybe the Astros have the AL pretty much wrapped up and Cleveland scares me too just because of how easy they're going to get in there they're going to allow for certain injuries to you know take care of themselves because they're not going to have to really push push the you know foot to the gas uh, uh, going down the stretch I mean they don't have to now so yeah I mean I think they're in the AL we were saying it's four teams it was Cleveland Houston New York and Boston in whatever order well now Oakland has entered the fray the way they've been playing and Seattle's scary. I mean, they've made moves to upgrade, and they have Paxson fronting that rotation where, when healthy, that's not a guy you want to face in a one-game playoff. And, and they they have some veterans on that organ on that team that can really make some moves. So I don't know. I I, I think they're I think that AL West is interesting too, um, especially if Oakland continues to keep up this pace. Yeah, it'll be a really fun last couple of months. Um, you know, we're we're a little under a month outside of the All Star break, but. You know, you got about two two good months left of baseball before the playoffs, so it should be interesting to see. Uh, moving on to another topic, um, I hate to do it, but I guess you got to talk about the cesspool of college football, it, which is what I call it. It, it listen, I I love college. There's no more scum, even in the NFL, than college football. I, the it thing is, that pisses yeah. me off about the most, and I, this isn't a rant. This is just like because I really don't follow it. I mean, I know what's going on, but I'm on Saturdays. I'm not like setting aside my life to watch a college football game but for me it's just like the like you're a scumbag but you pretend like you're a good guy and that's what pisses me off with these college football things it's like we all know you're scum like most of those coaches are not good guys this has happened far too often you look down at Baylor you look over at a bunch of other schools like domestic violence rape sexual abuse I, all this shit happens more, I feel like, in college football. I mean, every sport and every walk of life is guilty of it, but it just seems like not only does it happen more often in college football, it's it's pushed under the rug and overlooked more often in college football than anything else. I think you made a really good point. 
when you talked about how the coaches act like they're good guys. I think it's worse because the schools act like they're good guys. I don't think the coaches, the coaches are obviously going to put up a front, but here's the thing. These coaches, particularly at the universities, they're gods. If they win a lot, you know, they, they own, they control the university. So their players, their staff themselves could get away what feels like with murder and, 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 you know, get a slap on the wrist. So what Tom's alluding to, obviously, is the Urban Meyer situation going on in Ohio State. He was asked to take a leave of absence in the wake of the um, of the Zach Smith situation. And this and isn't like a new thing. This has been going on since he had him as an assistant Florida. coach at Florida. So, and let's keep in mind that Urban Meyer has not brought the best human beings to to either of his schools. I mean, he did have Aaron Hernandez, you know. On, I think, one of his national title teams. Yes, absolutely. He and was an integral part of those teams. From all accounts, he was not a good guy back then, and it was like a well-known thing. He's not a good guy. I mean, he's 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 known amongst the college football ranks as a guy that, that is very scummy, to use your word. He's he, You know, he's kind of a weasel. He'll get away with doing anything. It, he jumps programs, and, and he's, you know, when a situation seems like it's kind of falling out of favor, he'll make up an excuse to say, I want to spend more time with my family. Bull, bullshit. You know, it's you're, you're leaving because you know you're in hot water. You're going to take a year or two off, and you're going to find a, a nice, comfortable landing place at a really good school. For $8 million for $8 a year. For $8 million a year. So Zach Smith's situation is is he was a grad assistant coach on, on, his, Florida, on his Florida staff. Um, had allegations going back all the way to 2009 of him beating his wife and his and his pregnant wife at the time and now ex-wife um, maliciously uh, bruises all over and and so she would go you know her her the families were close and she was talking to Urban's wife and she was saying hey you know this this is happening and Apparently she wasn't super proactive about it either. Told Urban, and Urban's like, "I'm going to sit down with him, and we're going to get, we're going to get him counseling. We're going to get everything taken care of." Long story short, is all these allegations are that he was not proactive at all, and they kept him on his staff. And apparently the the players, especially on the Ohio State staff, knew of these things happening. A uh, restraining order was filed against Zach Smith. He broke that. Was able to you know get in and, and beat her. Just disgusting, atrocious horrible stories and you know watching the e60 and just some of the pictures she would post of, of the bruises is just horrific and and sickening so uh, what's actually more interesting is that urban meyer's wife works as a as a counselor and as a dean at ohio state and with all this going on she's actually in more trouble than urban is but because urban really carries the clout you know obviously he for allowing him to keep keep him on and of course he's pleading well, ignorance and doesn't know what's going on and yeah. and that's such horseshit you hear shit. too many stories about how you know like god forbid something bad happens to a female at a party or whatever and then they go for help and they're like we're just going to brush this one under the rug like that shit shouldn't be happening it happens more in college football than anywhere else by all accounts um, and you know, I mean, like you, you said, Baylor, that was running rampant. I mean, they, they, and they should a, have been on the death penalty for what, yes, you know, and there's a lot of other they, schools they where this on. happens. And it's like Tyron Mathieu gets kicked out of LSU for smoking pot and these guys can get away with this. It's the same thing in the NFL where it's like, like, you know, um, Ray Rice barely gets suspended, but Julian Edelman gets suspended four games. Like it's just a fucked up yeah, system. Brady gets four for a football. For yeah, yeah, allegedly deflating a football. And I'm a Jets fan, and I'm defending two Patriots. You know, but but um, in comparison to what course. the the severity of the other cases are, it's not even close. But back to the subject matter at hand, it's like. You know, even even if it's not your job, you're not a police officer to, to conduct an investigation or, you know, you're not an authoritative figure like they'll take care of it or whatever. You're the head coach. You're basically the CEO of the program. If you get a bad feeling about this guy and all this shit's clamoring, like it's not that much to fire him and hire another guy. Just get him out of your hair. Even if you're doing it just to keep your own brand clean, I don't care how you do the right thing or what your reasoning is for it. Just do the right thing. It's not that hard. Well, apparently it is, and that's the worst part about it is, and I, as somebody who does love college football, I, I, I'm a college football fan. Um, 
you know, I, I think it, it's a lot of fun, particularly when your NFL team isn't good. You know, regardless of who you're rooting for, you know, you can watch them. Very, there's always interesting matchups. They do a great job promoting it. It's always fun and because it, every game matters. Right. And, and it's and it's fun to get into the college football playoff and so on and so forth. And, and you know, we, to a much lesser degree, discussed the same thing during March Madness. You know, we were talk when we first started going live, we were talking about the Arizona issues and the, and the Michigan State issues and with those coaches – and then we get to gush over the NCAA tournament. And that's just kind of how unfortunately it is for as awful as the NFL is. You even said in your open last week, right? We're going to talk NFL. We're going to love it. We're going to break it down. We're going to analyze the games. We're going to talk about our teams, this, that, and third. With all the shadiness that I'm sure will continue to go storyline-wise during the course of the of the season. So it, it's just disgusting to see how much power these guys have. How much, how much these coaches dictate not just what happens amongst their staff and their players, but also the entirety of the university. It seems as if they're almost gods. They run it more than the athletic directors. They run it more than the, than the presidents um, because boosters want, know how important it is to have them winning. And the schools well, I mean, know how yeah. important it is to have them winning. And when they you don't got want a good Urban coach, Meyer out of Ohio State. When you got a good coach and a good recruiter, look what it can do for you. I mean... It's just, it's disgusting the way it gets. I, I put college athletics in general up there with FIFA, which is really Yeah, bad. and the IOC too, the yeah. Olympic Committee for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's terrible. I mean, matter of fact, I mean, you just saw with Larry Nassar, they're, they're intertwined. I was literally about to go back to that. I mean, they are intertwined, and that's what I was going to say. College basketball and, and, and every sport, colleges in general, nobody should be off the hook, especially, you know, prime example of the Larry Nance shit, which is just... Another Larry level. Sorry, Nance is okay. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Larry, Larry Nance is a, a, very, a pretty good player for the Cavs, and his dad was too. But, uh, like, back to the point, it's just a cesspool. The NCAA, and it's just terrible all around. And you know what's funny? Like, I just saw my Bleacher Report. They're holding, you know, a rally to get Urban Meyer back. Yeah, petitions going on, yeah. So the fans don't care. The The true college football they fans don't. don't care. I mean, it's it's honestly terrible but i mean you know what there's there's nothing you can do and we're just going to sit here and complain about it as innocent bystanders that are obviously smarter i mean what else can you say i mean well just i mean you you like to see that some of these people who are in such prominent positions would have somewhat of a moral compass and and apparently they don't and and you know it was the same thing with the paterno thing you know he was that sweet kind of old grandfather who had been at the school forever and and, you know, oh, what is he supposed to do? You know what you're supposed to do? Use the power that you have as the head football coach, knowing what the implications could be if you don't do something. The guy's a grad assistant. You know how easy it is to, to, to get rid of those guys? He already had the restraining orders. Not like anything was going to happen, you know, as far as legally. It, it, there's no reason. And whether you want to take him under your wing and be like, listen, I'm going to take him. You're not hired there to be a counselor. You're not a, you're not somebody who works in domestic abuse. Not situ- to mention, and I cases. hate when these guys plead ignorance or they didn't know Rick Patino, another fucking sleaze bucket and, and, and urban Meyer and even Joe Paterno, you know, rest in peace, whatever you have to say. Don't, you know, you know what time every single one of your fucking players wake up in the morning. You know when they take a piss. Like when you run a program like that, you know every move that everybody makes, and you hear everything. That's why all these guys are fucking dying at fifty years old because they can't take all the stress because they know everything that's going on. So don't tell me that you didn't know that Jerry Sandusky was like one of the worst people to ever be born, or that this guy Zach Smith, Smith or whatever yeah. his name is is a scumbag. Don't tell me that it's been going on since 2009, or in Joe Paterno's case for 15 years at these football camps, and you didn't hear about it once, not one time. Right, and and that's and and I think that's the oldest story in the book, and one that I don't know how continues to be written, and people will like continue to buy it because. Because, like you, for every you just lay that out on the table perfectly. There's no way they don't know. These are people that they are employing. This is people that they know, especially on a, in a coaching staff, regardless of whether it's high school level, co- the collegiate level, or the pro level. Everybody hires their staff. Everybody hires the people that they know and trust, not just from an X's and O's standpoint, but from a personality standpoint as well. 
I couldn't imagine being a fan of a team or being involved in an organization, regardless of what level it is, and hiring somebody and knowing that they're beating the crap out of their out of their wives. Get out, not get out of my, just get out of my program, get out of my life, get out of everything. And I'm calling, I'm calling the authorities. You can't have that. You got to stand for something morally. And it, you know, it sounds like we're up here on a high horse, really just yelling, but it's 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 very disturbing as to like you said, people signing petitions. Oh, he doesn't know. One, it, it, how wins and losses matter to a college program, how the marketing of nationally televised games and sellout crowds at the Horseshoe or, or at, you know, any, any top stadium in the, in the country, that's all that matters. If, if, if you truly believe that he doesn't know you're either stupid or you're playing stupid, that's just the bottom line. I'm getting tired of talking about this though. Cause you know, nothing's going to come of it and he's going to coach again this season, or he's going to take a quote unquote leave of absence and he'll be the head coach of Notre Dame in like two weeks. Yeah, so. probably. Now, did you see today the, the news with Odell? So the contract stuff going on and the, uh, Apparently, the Giants are valuing him, valuing him in in, in uh, contract negotiations slightly under Sammy Watkins. That's not. I, I don't feel good about that because Mara said he's confident that a deal is going to get done before the start of the season. Not if you're doing that. Apparently, his agent left. Sammy New Watkins York. got a big time deal from Kansas City, but I mean, my thing is this: it's like Jimmy Odell Beckham over Sammy Watkins. Well, absolutely, <laughs> of course. But at the same time, it's like let me let me see. You're, it's all good for you until you get hit or until you put the pads on. I mean, it's it's cute watching him running shorts and him and his boy Jarvis Landry making videos on Instagram with the jugs machine, but me and you could go out in the backyard and do that too. But I don't think me and you could get off the line of scrimmage and get past the cornerback. Like, he just had a season-ending injury. Let's, let's let the season unfold and then talk about it. I mean, I understand the holdout, but I also can sympathize with the Giants. Well, he's not holding out. He said he'll play, but he wants the deal done. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, mean. yeah, of course. I I think the biggest thing with him is you you put, he, he puts the Giants in a very precarious situation because they just gave Saquon a fully guaranteed rookie deal for four years. So obviously they're a win now team. That's why they drafted Barkley and Odell's a generational talent. If you say you let him walk, or you franchise him, you're not putting stock into one of the three best players in the in the in the sport. I mean, That's listen, hard. I agree with you, but you know, I read your article on SorrySports.com, and I mean, they haven't had too much success with him. And I, and you know, you said in your article, you don't know how much success they're going to have with Shaquan Barkley. It's not a, it's not a premium position. It's in not, the NFL. but it's also. <sighs> So obviously that's why I wrote it. You know, I, I don't I don't value the running back and the wide receiver positions as high as a quarterback, a top pass rusher, a top left tackle, and a cornerback. You know, those are the four most important positions on the field, bar none. But you have a guy that brings so much marketability to your franchise. You when you're an owner, you think about that. You have a guy who's still in his prime. He's looking to get that big time contract. You, he's come back from big injuries before and has been prolific. You drafted Barkley for the reason of you, you'd like to have, regardless of whether it's Manning for two more years or just this year, whoever comes in after him is going to have the security blankets of Odell lining up on the outside and having Barkley out of the backfield. So obviously I think they've made a lot of their decisions based upon having Odell around long-term. The precedence it sets for the salary cap is really hard because now you're boxing a lot of money into two positions that I don't think are are the most important. Because look, look at Pit, in my article I reference Pittsburgh. We've done it on the air too. They're they're great for fantasy owners and they're great for regular season stats, but that trio of Roethlisberger, Brown, and Bell haven't done anything together as far as winning Super Bowls. And I, you know, they get to the playoffs every year because they score so many points, but. Yeah, I, I'd kind of like more than that. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're a Steelers fan, I think you'd like more than that, too. And they're clearly not trying to pay Le'Veon Bell. But, I mean, yeah, you, you put it, you, from the owner's point of view, it is big to have marketability and all that shit. But, I mean, from a fan's Especially point of view, a, a, you want to win. A homegrown yeah. player that you drafted, too. You know, because especially if he goes somewhere else and, and succeeds, yeah, that's that's something that the franchise might not get over. 
Absolutely. I mean, and and we're going to talk about more teams than just the Jets and the Giants as we get closer to the NFL season. It's just, you know, like we do with the MLB and like we did with the NBA at the time. It's just right now. That's pretty much what we're focused on is our teams. And moving on to that, moving on to the other team, articles are out that Sam Darnold, even a week late, might might take that starting job. Do you the believe that that's the case or do you like to nah, think? No, that's hype. I was going to say, that's probably Bulls telling everybody that he wants to get the best out of each out of each player, right? That doesn't like that's not a Bulls move. Bulls is gonna go the safe route. That just seems like the kind of guy that he is, and I appreciate that. Um, you know, you have to think about you have to compare everything basically to the Patriots, and it's like what would Belichick do at this point? And he would probably go with the veteran at least until you can see something, and then you know if the if the season goes a way that you don't want it to, or the way that we expect it, honestly. Then you let the rookie get some reps in midseason, which we had a long debate about that last time, and I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fun if you're a Jet fan, right? Like to hear that he's at least being considered because you did just invest your future in him and taking him third. You'd like to know that he's at least looking like somebody that on the field around, along with a McCown and a Bridgewater that, hey, talent-wise – He's right there. We he's it's where, better than hearing that than hearing about how like out of the Christian Bears Hackenberg camp. couldn't throw. I know he was well, a third, a second rounder, but that he couldn't you know hit water if he fell out of a boat. Well, that yeah, that he was you know five years away from being five years away, <laughs> or or you have you know you're hearing out of camp from Bears that Mitchell Trubisky's throwing multiple picks in practice against like second team guys. You know like you don't want to be hearing stuff like that. And even if Bowles is speaking positively, if Darnold wasn't doing well, there's plenty of people down at Florin Park at that at that practice, they would you would be hearing about it if he wasn't doing that well. So the fact that you're not hearing too much negative is a really big thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we are. Well, I don't think we we are both in general consensus that he's going to be a very good player going forward. And and whether it's the beginning of the season, middle of the season, end of the season, or next year, you want to know that he's doing everything he can to give, at least give himself you know consideration. And I, I think if, as, even if the Jets have to think about it, regardless of whether it's a minute or a, or a week, that's a great that's a great situation to have with the pick that you have and you hope is going to be the anchor at the quarterback position for years to come. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree with you more. But um, looks like we're about an hour in again, so we'll we'll definitely be keep recapping baseball. It's starting to heat up. Yep. And our our team's first NFL preseason games are this week. Oh, Giants yeah. Browns. Nice. Very exciting. That is very exciting. Yeah, um, it, just to recap the game uh, from last week, I watched about three minutes of it and then went back to the Yankee game. So that was pretty much that. I should have. It was Thursday, right? You probably could have stayed on that game. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, that was the Sunny. Was that the Sunny Gray that game? That was the uh, the the CC game that yeah. I'll call it the Jonathan Holder game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I probably should have stayed on the football game. I was watching The Office, so we're fine. I, I found myself actually, just to wrap things up, saying, oh, like, oh, they'll come back, oh, they'll come back. And now, after that happened, I find myself saying, oh, they're going to blow it, they're going to blow it, like they did last night. Hey, it's it's amazing what a couple of days do, right? I mean, this is a team that for a bit you were thinking, like, okay, they, they can't be stopped. They're going to find a way to win this game, whether they're home or away. Now it's like, oh, they'll find a way to fuck it up. Yeah, exactly. And, but you know what the thing about baseball, man? They got another game right now. Two so. weeks Two weeks. we're going to probably be talking about how great they look. I mean, hopefully. I sure but, as um, hell hope every, so. Everybody, that, everybody that's friends with Sean, you know, send the police over every once in a couple days just to make sure that he's not in you know, any trouble. Like I really got nothing to live for. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm upset, but you know, I'll let you have your fun. I'm, I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be all right. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I guess we'll talk to you next week. Take care.